Welcome to SMT Pod, the premier audio publication of the Society for Music Theory. In this week's episode, Abigail Lindo explores how women of the Azores, a Portuguese autonomous region in the North Atlantic Ocean, use their musical play on the viola de terra, a native Azorean chordophone, as a resource for post-colonial feminine performance. Outside of downtown Punta Delgada in São Miguel, the largest of nine islands in the Portuguese archipelago of the Azores, there is a civil parish called Faja da Baixa. It is home to about 5,000 residents, and it's the kind of place where everyone knows or has heard of everyone else in the area. In this parish, across from the church that is central to the geographical architecture of each civil parish, there is a small executive office called the Junta de Frocosia in Portuguese. This is where musician and composer Rafael Carvalho instructs his students on the viola de terra, a native Azorean chordophone. Can you hear them playing? I should say, can you hear us, as I'm one of the players in this ensemble. Another one of his students, Senora Ana Margarita Rego, has lived to see herself play the instrument she could formerly only observe men play, admiring their dexterity and skill in her childhood, adolescence, and early years as a mother and wife. She is now a viola de terra player at the age of 76 and exists within a multiplicity of being, not just relative to her current experiences as a musician, but as a Portuguese woman tracing a legacy of resonances, a term I'm using here to describe the prolonged reverberations of her identity evolving as her nation does the same. For Senora Ana, the viola de terra is a marker of community and depth in her own personhood, and she believes more women should be playing. Here, I situate her musical engagement as a sign of modernism and liberation, while maintaining an Azorian simplicity in being, doing, and interacting that I have become enamored with. Go back in time with me. It's a Tuesday in November 2022, and I'm waiting for the bus by the marina. It gets dark around five in the evening now. The common buzz of cars and trucks whirl, punctuated by the steps of people passing by and the phone conversation of the woman to my left. The sky is deciding whether or not it wants to rain. So indecision yields mist. I sit in the center of the wide covered bus bench with my viola de terra between my legs in its case, protected. It's just a loner though, I'll buy my own next week. At this time, I was learning to play the traditional Azorean string instrument as part of my dissertation fieldwork period in Punta Delgada, which lasted from September 2022 to July 2023. 
Anyone who has previously listened knows about my lessons already and a bit about my research, but to make it short and sweet, I'm interested in local musicing practices and how collective gatherings, like music festivals, shape a distinct form of sonic cosmopolitanism in the region. There's always something happening for locals to enjoy, and many traditional festivals and events feature the viola de terra in their music, so it is only right that I get acquainted with the instrument. Okay, okay, back in time again. I'm getting off the bus and I'm heading into my lesson, walking upstairs and entering into the book-filled room where we meet. In this space, I see Senora Anna for the first time. She's completing her lesson with Raphael and he introduces us. Her voice is gentle, crackling in a high pitch as she greets me in Portuguese. I smile and stumble through salutations. She gives me a hug and I learn that her hands are as soft as her voice. We would later discuss how hands were an icon, attracting her gaze and rousing wonderment when she observed Viola de Terra players performing during her childhood. For centuries, the viola de terra, which we'll just refer to as the viola, was played individually, accompanied only by the vocals of its players and others who would join in song. The sounding of the instrument occurred when the instrument was played by a single man in each village to entertain fishermen and farmers following their day of labor. This individual was respected, though he would often be single since he regularly drank and stayed out into the morning hours and slept during the day. This was said to be a reality as early as the 17th century. Later, a patriarchal tradition of cultural maintenance began with the instrument becoming a familial practice as men played in community groups and ranchos folkloricos. These groups often played songs, once sung by the neighborhood viola player, along with tunes from religious songs and choruses without clear origins. These melodies were often simple and singable, featuring repeated ostinato with an accompaniment of a few chords, a logical practice considering the instrumental ensemble existed alongside a group of vocalists and dancers who regularly participated in secular and religious celebrations throughout the year. As the function of the instrument has shifted from community entertainment to leisure and individuals learn in their spare time to establish community, ensembles play in larger groups and are accompanied by a violao, or classical guitar, along with other instruments and handheld percussion. Viola schools, like Carvalho's in the civil parish of Fajr de Baixa, exist to teach prospective folklorical players how to handle and perform with the instrument, uh, potentially leading to the development of improvisatory skills. At the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, lessons were temporarily canceled, then socially distanced before returning to their regular arrangement. Of Carvalho's current 16 students, seven are women, including myself, ranging from the age of 19 to 76. Carvalho notes that his female students are more attentive, initially handling their instruments with more care and practicing more intentionally following initial instruction. He states that all students, regardless of gender, demonstrate authentic interest in improving their instrumental play if they are committed to the instrument, but notes that many former female players have been more organized, aiding in their long-term success with the viola. Repeat listeners may recall that I previously described my own experiences with learning the viola de terra, as I also contextualized and contended the insider-outsider binary and its limitations as I completed fieldwork in the region. 
Hearing Senora Anna describe her initial experiences with the instrument and wishes of earlier tutelage, I could not help but feel a sense of gratitude and reflection as this instrument is valuable as a tool for cultural memory and transformation. From 1932 to 1968, Antonio de Oliveira Salazar served as Portuguese prime minister, leading the corporatist dictatorship known as Estado Novo. This conservative nationalist regime was an effort to reestablish Portuguese control in former African colonies, including Angola and Mozambique, regions that were earnestly fighting for their independence. Salazar avoided the mobilization of massive public rallies and spectacles seen in German Nazism and Italian fascism, opting instead for a collective sense of pride demonstrated through imagined communities of citizens acting in collective cultural performances, like the dress, dance, and music of ranchos folkloricos, or just folkloricos as many Azorians call it. These performing groups began in the late 1930s, specializing in presentations of Portuguese folk songs in traditional embroidered costumes, uh, emulating pre-19th century attire, although they were not empirically rooted in their execution. During this period, Portuguese sociocultural knowledge focused on three Fs. The first, Fatima, or Roman Catholic religious ideology, since the Virgin Mary is Our Lady of Fatima. Second, football, or soccer, which is a unifying uh, leisure interest for Lusophone communities outside of Portugal as well. And third, Fado, a popular style of Portuguese folk music originating in the early 19th century in Lisbon, with its most celebrated figure being Amalia Rodriguez. The late singer, who is known as the Queen of Fado, sung songs like Lisboa Antiga, or Lisbon of Old, and Lisboa Não Sejas Francesa, which essentially translates to Lisbon, do not be French. And these songs were used to uphold nationalist messages and normalize moral laws enacted to establish the purity of Portugueseness and position women as homemakers and nation makers through the maintenance of their purity and the purity of the family. The three Fs intersected as vital aspects of identity, symbolizing collective values that could be imposed on the other nations as Portugal sought to return to the world stage as a colonizing force. In these three realms, Portuguese women maintained specific supportive roles, exerting their performative sonic and bodily knowledge in subordinate positions to male counterparts, only singing out loud along with father's songs, which was still typically done in the home. These songs provided an expressive mode for women to tap into the saudade, the collective cultural spirit of mourning, longing, and joy of what is now understood as the old fadu, unlike the more joyous music that is found in tourist spaces throughout Lisbon, Coimbra, and other areas of mainland Portugal. In the context of fadu and folkloricos, Salazar acknowledged the unifying power of musical engagement and sonic cultural knowledge, using these styles as political tools that gave deeper meaning to sound, noise, and the bodies that performed them. She says that uh, oh, the only woman in Fajana she remembers is this Miss Sarah. Sarah. Miss Sarah. Of course, there was also the Philharmonica, the orchestra. But, but only men, no women played in the Philharmonica. Que ano? 
This was uh, 70 years ago, 60, I said, She's from 46 and already the band existed, so in that time no women played in the Philharmonic. Throughout the regime, women were associated with virtuous female figures glorified in Catholicism, including Queen St. Isabel and the Virgin Mary, and understood to have religious devotion as an act of maternal identity. A narrative was imposed that used terms like natural to signal the need for women to fulfill traditional roles associated with women in the home prior to the Industrial Revolution. They existed as socio-political subjects who demonstrated womanhood and femininity by rejecting feminism and, along with their male counterparts, subscribing to ideas of the natural woman as one dedicated to maintaining and serving the Portuguese home. Okay, she said she was especially, she loved, loved the sound, but especially mesmerized by the fingers, by the agility of the musicians. Mm. She always liked to appreciate the musicians and the, the way they play. And that in the beginning, when I uh, teach and they play, play, she always enjoys watching the fingers. For her, it's something very special. Can you yes. And uh, in the, the presentation at Christmas, we were playing and her uh, niece filmed only her and she loved seeing her own fingers like she was playing it. Uh, seeing that she was playing the songs like she used to see, normally saw other people, so she enjoyed it. She enjoys it. In January 2023, I interviewed Senora Anna with Raphael translating. She stated that she loved the song she heard, but was more mesmerized by the fingers moving on the hands of viola players. She was fascinated by the agility of their hands dancing around the neck and body of the instrument. She appreciated the skill of the musicians playing the instrument, rekindling this appreciation during her own instruction as she observed Raphael's hands playing scales and songs on the viola. Beyond some imagined natural female existence, Senora Anna's present viola playing and collective musical engagement demonstrates a connection to cultural heritage and acknowledgement of changing feminine roles in relation to socio-political realities, Azorian identity, and aging. At 76 years old, she has lived many lives, carrying the titles and responsibilities of wife and mother. She now exists with her instrument as an act of pleasure serving her own desires while still signaling the more liberal existence she enjoys in her bodily performance of cultural identity she experiences in learning and playing the viola. Although Raphael is preparing all musicians for the various functions their instrument could play in Azorian society, individuals can learn for their own pleasure without doing anything beyond their weekly lessons. In the safety of viola and folklorico rehearsals, Senora Ana and other women who play viola de terra do not face the same cultural friction women of a former era would have endured. 
Raphael instructs students from September to May of each year, and throughout this period, he plans concerts to showcase student talent. While our recital in December 2022 featured more collaborative pieces and small ensembles playing, a shorter and more intimate concert in March of 2023 focused more on individual development. This concert primarily featured individual students on their violas accompanied by Raphael on the viola or classical guitar. Here I am struggling. And here is Signora Anna shining. Senora Anna's hands, or at least the music they make. While I knew I wanted to study the viola as a beneficial aspect of my ethnographic approach and challenge to my novice competency with string instruments, something was stirred in me when I considered Senora Anna, her instrument of choice, and her story. She's a simple woman, amicable and devoted to her familial roles and instrumental practice. She was born in Fajr de Baisha, maintains weekly viola lessons in Fajr de Baisha, and performs in concerts among other players in Fajr de Baisha. Her existence and persistence in the space of her birth, the place where she has been, is currently, and will be, kindles thoughts of spatial and temporal resonance, of transformative imaginations of post-colonial becoming that shifts the invisible labor of Portuguese matriarchs to the foreground in subtle but meaningful ways. When I say resonance, I'm referring to the prolonged reverberation of Senora Anna as a presence in the space of Fajr Baisha, as an observer and experiencer of her own Portuguese identity evolving, moving with the ripples of these realities. She lingers, and how she moves through space, makes meaning, and in doing so, transforms former realities, is meaningful. There are new spaces, practices, and functions in which her body can take up space and her identity as a Portuguese woman is expanded in this way. Her actions provoke new histories, revising gendered scripts, and opening dialogues for the potential of alternative cultural knowledge and bodily performance. This performance passively communicates emotion, something Ahmed describes as involving, quote, bodily processes of affecting and being affected. End quote. They are, quote, a matter of how we come into contact with objects and others, end quote. Senora Anna goes through the bodily process of emoting with instrument in hand, with the actual practice sometimes creating frustration while completion of a performance, like the one in March, yielding pride and happiness. With becoming... I am situating Senora Ana as a cultural agent rewriting female subjectivity and living it through the years within her quiet existence, slight stature, and small but powerful hands. She's reflecting this reality, and this reality is something she has experienced bodily with other women who came after her seeking to learn the viola, greatly benefiting from it. Intersectionality is always spatial, and Mollet and Feria additionally consider how intersectionality, as an aspect of Black feminist thought, 
provides visibility for multiple subjectivities and forms of power. Feminist liberation is not just women outside of the home or in the workplace, as the former regime reviled, but celebrates women possessing the option to exist in both spaces or neither space, opting instead for leisure in third spaces, among others. Senora Anna enjoys her weekly lessons, but loves collective lessons before concerts, which allow her small mistakes while playing to be hidden and facilitates a space where she can have conversations with fellow musicians. There are young girls under 10, a teenager and her mother in her 40s, and another woman in her 40s as well, along with Anna. There are generations of Portuguese being and becoming in these spaces, different modes of understanding and experiencing the music. The viola is an exemplar of Anna's strength and a tool to define sonic notions of Azorian identity now. And everyone can strum a distinct song of their Portugueseness and belonging. Visit our website, smt-pod.org, for supplemental materials related to this episode and to learn how to submit an episode proposal. Join in on the conversation by tweeting your questions and comments at smt underscore pod. SMT Pod's theme music was written by Zheng Chen Lu with closing music by David Voss. Thanks for listening.